I know I don't always come across as the most humble guy, but I am quick to wanting to know if I can be corrected. So we're going to start with a discussion on the Enneagram. That and more on this week's Corey True Act Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. You may recall, you faithful Corey True Act Show listeners, a couple weeks ago we had a discussion on the Corey True Act Show regarding this piece of social science, maybe we can call it, called the Enneagram and the role it might have in interpersonal relationships. And I got contacted by someone I highly value and highly regard with some skepticism around it. So we're going to start there on this week's edition of the show. But first, my name is Corey Truax. We'll be hosting the show for the hour because that's my name and my name's on the show. Uh, I'm also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets at 1030 on Sunday mornings in Greenville. We'd love to have you any given Sunday morning. And here on the Corey Truax Show, we're dedicated to smarter, deeper, better talk about everything. Thank you for listening on 91 and 92.9, his radio talk on Saturday mornings or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you. You are so kind for doing so. We're going to welcome to the show a skeptic of Enneagram usage. His name, well, for, before, before the name, I'll give you some background. We were friends in college. We, um, we caused ruckuses in the new, in this newspaper up at North Greenville <laughs> oh, together. Oh, so many ruckuses. We, we, we're good at that. We're good at ruckus. He is also the president and, and entrepreneur of his own company called the Nose, Nose Minister Family I think, uh, Effects, Family of Guitars, something like that. Nose Pedal Westminster Effects. Thanks, man. Yep. And he, what he does is, uh, is really cool stuff, and you should go find it. Um, where, wherever you, on, on Facebook is where I usually find it, and especially if you're a musician. I don't know how many musicians I have listening but it's a lot of fun stuff out there. He's also the host of the Westminster Effects Doxology podcast, which I listen to weekly. Recently, I had to binge it and catch up. But now I'm totally caught up, and you should listen <laughs> to it. Forgiven. Thank you, sir. I had to be. I think I did send you a message that said I must be absolved. Yes. I'm like three weeks yes. behind. So and I, I pronounced the absolution. And and thank you. And now go. we're good. And his name is Cody Fields. Thanks for taking the time to talk, sir. Yeah. Thanks for. Well, I'd say I'm. I'm glad to be here, but we're in my house, so thanks for coming. That's to record the podcast. Great point. I'm welcoming you to my to my show, but in your abode. Yes. That's an awkward yeah. thing. <laughs> so you listened to the Enneagram show. I think I you've, you've done maybe some more work on the origins thereof than I have. Sure. And so when you heard the uh, you heard the show, you had some thoughts. It's all yours, sir. What you got? Yeah. So I think it's it's important, and I hope my dog isn't coming through the mic. It is not coming through. Good. We're good. Very good. Uh, because he does own the world, and he lets everyone know it. <laughs> um, but I think it's very important in these kind of conversations, particularly between Christians, is yep. to establish that foundation. Uh, I know you well enough that I don't have to get into the, the nitty-gritty, um, but uh, sometimes you do need to reestablish that. So, you know, if, if I ask you, you know, the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism, what is your one hope in life and in death, we would have the same answer. Yes. The divinity of Jesus, yeah. grace alone, faith alone, etc. cetera. Um, like, we are, we are going to have that common ground. I even I resonate so much with how you open your own show because you look at events in the church in the light of yes. Toda Scriptura and and Sola Scriptura. Tura. So the Scripture being the sole infallible rule of faith and practice. Yes. for for the for the church and Toda Scriptura meaning all of Scripture. We don't unhitch yeah. ourselves from certain, Ooh, good <laughs> certain portions. Yes, <laughs> uh, we don't we don't unhitch. We don't ignore. We don't try and skirt around the tougher uh, aspects that might, uh, in our cur current day, yes. uh, you know, we have to deal with it. Yeah, you it's know, great. If, if, it is, if it is the inspired word of God, we have to deal with it and, one way or another. And that's where you and I are t 
totally on the same page. Exactly. Where exactly. Uh, I'm just going to bring another a podcaster in who's much bigger than any of us. But like Matt Walsh has discussions like this on his show. Mm, yeah. And he seems to never go to scripture. Right. He goes to originally like reason. I mean, the scripture mm-hmm. is reasonable, yep. but he appeals to reason and never to the actual adjudicator of conflict. Right. The adjudicator, right. the decider is scripture. That's where we find truth. And so we're in total agreement on that. Yes, exactly. So I guess I, I actually printed out notes. Um, Look at you so, prepared. Yeah, how about, well I, done. I don't, I don't do this much preparation for my own show. So, um, <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> so um, I think origins matter within these kind of things. If, if, if we knew, uh, for example, that some kind of practice came out of something like the Jehovah's Witnesses mm-hmm. or the Mormon Church, Hinduism, Buddhism, whatever, uh, then those within the realm of Orthodox Christianity would be like, eh, I don't know about that. Sure. Uh, at the very least. Um, so effectively, I mean, what I've found, especially since I saw the Enneagram kind of blowing up in Christian circles. Huge like it, trend right now. It's enormous. Huge. Yeah. Um, and, and this isn't an, a, a universal slam on personality tests or anything sure. like that. Is is where did the thing come from? And what I've found is <laughs> it's it's not pretty. Is um, it, it has very new age origins and uh the guy so i won't get into all of the convoluted history because it is fairly convoluted but the guy who developed the enneatypes the one through nine yes uh it is nine right it is enneagram yeah Yeah. so that would mean nine uh claudio naranjo uh claims to have developed uh or claims to have received the enneatypes via automatic writing uh, so for those who don't know, automatic writing is a new age practice where it's basically you channel a spirit mm-hmm. and write as that spirit takes control of your faculties. Yeah, I've heard of this. Right. Yeah. So uh, so that should cause at least a yellow flag. Yes. M- maybe not a red flag, you know, if, if we're going to be charitable, but, but at least a yellow flag. Yes. That's fair. Um, so then the way that it worked its way into uh, Christianity was you had a, a Jesuit named Bob Ox, and this isn't to slam all Jesuits. Which you is know. a Catholic sect? Catholic sect, yes, okay. um, who learned from Naranjo. Bob Ox passed it on to Richard Rohr, who is a Roman Catholic mystic and pantheist. Huh. So he's not even Orthodox within the realm of Roman Catholicism no. by any means. Right. Uh, this guy's been on Oprah saying God is within everything, mm. uh, meaning that you know the tree contains God like a, and all that kind of stuff. A pantheist stuff. or a panentheist, one of the two. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so then from there, uh, it was uh, theological liberals, uh, emergent types who, who uh, are more open to like the vague spirituality that kind of adopted it. And then it just kind of went from there. Um, so that's, you know, kind of in a nutshell. Your, I knew your none origin. of that. Yeah, sure, sure. So that, that origin does make me immediately super uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Anything that came out of that origin makes me go, ah, I don't know. Right, and, and you know, <laughs> unlike our past where mm-hmm. where we would be like, see, you are wrong. Exactly. It's, it's, my goal here isn't isn't even to get you to change your mind immediately. It's let's think about this stuff. Yeah, that's fair. And, uh, you know, I've had conversations with, with friends and pastors where, yeah, maybe I did change my mind like three months later. Maybe I never even told them yeah. that I, I changed my mind about it. But it's it's let's talk about the origins. Let's talk about how it got here and, and even some of the issues with it as we institute it, um, some of those logical conclusions, but then also maybe even offer a solution. Sure. My 
uh, so my immediately my immediate reaction is, oh man, uh, I wish not, I wish those origins weren't true. And then I immediately right. have a filter. I don't know if you've ever heard me give this filter. Mm-hmm. That all things that the world produces, whether it be artistic or social sciences, all that stuff, yeah. goes through a filter of reject, redeem, receive. Right. And so you've heard this before. Yeah. Yes. I don't think yes. I'm, it's not original to me. Yes. I learned I, it somewhere. Just like you listen to my podcast, I do listen to yours. Appreciate so. that very much. <laughs> so uh, there are things that you just have to outright reject um, in the arts world and social sciences. There are things that you can redeem, take good parts of it, throw out the bad parts. Right. Um, and then there are stuff that's just fine the way it is. Uh, and mm-hmm. you don't have, and so with Enneagram, you're at least calling to be, uh, to think about what can be redeemed, but what has to be put out. Right, right, exactly. There's, uh, should I name them? I won't name them for, okay. for the sake of this argument. Uh, but there is a, a very well-known, uh, uh, fringe charismatic church who participated in a, in a group writing book basically about redeeming new age practices and mm. it, and, it, and it wasn't even uh like they said that satan stole these things from the church and the church is just recovering them uh and i know i know you would absolutely Ooh. just reject that absolutely uh, right talking about things akin to astral transportation uh like where your soul leaves your body and so stuff like even that stuff beyond meditation and like what with breathing practices right right because like I, i'm not one of those guys that says, oh, you shouldn't even do the poses involved in yoga because yeah. you know Satan's going to laugh at you for bowing to Vishnu or, <laughs> or whatever. Like, like it's it's that's not really how it works yeah. because you know some of us have woken up in those positions sure. before yeah. just because we had some kind of crazy dream. That doesn't yeah. mean we were possessed. Right. Um, so that's not what I'm saying here. So the so the enneagrams origins are troubling. Yes. And at least should give us pause. Right. I wonder, this was brought to me recently by my own big brother. I guess the, the purpose, well, I'm, I'm trying, I, I try to find the purpose. Like what's the, what's the reason that right. it's gotten so popular? Right. And I think it is, uh, it's that, that tool of some self-discovery and discovery of others. And so I want to be able to find the parts of the Enneagram that are useful in Absolutely. understanding yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. So I, from a, from a, a very charitable standpoint, you'd sure. say, I want to know myself. I want to know how to relate to others better. Uh, from the cynical standpoint, you could say, yeah. "Oh, it's narcissism." <laughs> well, um, so, yeah, I do think it is a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's that's false. I think yeah. that even is a little bit in me. We all have a bit of self obsession. Some right. of us just have more self obsession than others. Right. We're in an age where that is the the ethos of the age is self care, self knowledge. Right. right. Uh, that all of the answers are within yourself. Right, uh, and we don't believe that, right? We believe the right. answers are actually outside of ourselves. The problem is in- internal. Yep. There's so th- there is that thing that I'm just trying to uh, use enneagram. I think to measure the flesh. Right. The spirit right. can redeem all things, but it might be a measurement of our fleshly inclinations. Sure, sure. So I think where where we may end up wading into some weirdness is ultimately uh, it's it ends up being kind of arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could even look at it uh, with the way that uh, people end up kind of identifying themselves as this number. I've never taken the test. Um, that's not to say whether it's good or bad. As yeah. of you know, sure. you know what I mean. Um, it's oh, how to say it? You could almost look at it like an astrological sign of oh, I'm a Scorpio, I'm a Taurus, Aries, whatever. Yeah, I, I think I'm Aquarius. Who cares? Uh, or dinosaur, because none of them exist anyway, right? Like that meme. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's we want to identify as something. So, yeah. so we use that. Oh well, I am a six, therefore that's why I did this. 
as instead of flipping that and saying I did that, and that kind of lines up with the fact that I tested as a sex. That's I a think, great point, I man. Think, I think I would I would have less issue if if it was phrased that way. The comedian John Christ has gone after this. Oh man! Because uh, like for example, the eight, the eight yeah. in the enneagram is Can called. Can I say something really unpopular? Please do about John Christ. I don't think John Christ is very funny. Uh, that is unpopular. That's, <laughs> that's almost like being in a Christian room and saying you don't like Chick Fil A. Right, right. Like but you, I do love Chick Fil A, and okay. I do love how they handled their legal complaint with me, uh, which you can look up on the podcast I, later. I, I did follow that. <laughs> I, I followed that closely. I thought it was interesting. I did get free food out of it. So. Um, that, and the letter they wrote too, the, the legal letter, it was great. It's framed on the wall right behind you. You need to go, for real, go find Cody Fields on Facebook and Westminster Effects. You need to hear that saga. uh, That is an unpopular opinion. I've seen John Christ live three times. Oh, okay. And I... Bless your heart, as we say in the South. And and I went to the backstage, like paid a bunch of money. Oh, wow. So so you are a John Christ diehard then. I am. Um, and if you haven't heard John Christ, he's a he is a Christian who makes fun of Christians you, for doing dumb things. Like with you liking the Dallas Cowboys, you just like all these terrible things all right these, now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, we're all. It was funny about this conversation. It's we agree on basically everything. Yeah, and we're finding the things we don't. So John yeah. Christ, Enneagram. I'm not a huge baseball guy. You love baseball. Uh, Dallas I have, Cowboys. I have a tomahawk tattooed on my leg. So that's big. That big of a Braves fan. Yeah. So you what word you said that really struck me. I yes. Identify as. Yes. And so I'll let me go back to the John Christ point. I'm going to hit that. Um, John Christ talked about like eights. There's the eight mm-hmm. on the Enneagram is the challenger. And so mm-hmm. they're sort of known for being a little abrasive. Right. And so he, he makes the joke, you know, it's, when someone's kind of a jerk, and you, they say, well, you know, I'm an eight. Well, yep. actually, you're just kind of a jerk. And what you really <laughs> need to do is just repent of you being impatient with people. Yes. And Or, or with me. So the ones. One of our bad parts is we're really self-righteous, and we think we're great and everybody else has some problems. Yes. Well, maybe you're just really self-righteous, and you need to find your righteousness in Christ and not in yourself and your own behavior, right? Right. And so uh, the way you rephrased it from, well, I, I'm i an eight, I'm a one, so I behave this way. Right. It's, I behave this way, it fits with this other system, but it's just part of my flesh that I need to have redeemed. Right. And and I, I just pulled up the uh, the enneotypes yeah. on, on my computer, and like I could... They're vague enough that I could see myself in any of these. Huh. Uh, the reformer, I mean, being being reformed in one's theology. I actually think you are a one. You and I are the same. I think. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, helper, I I could see myself somebody. I'm a little I'm a little uh, cynical for that. Uh, the achiever, well, I own my own business. Yeah. Uh, the individualist, well. I've got tattoos all over me. Yes. I wear black all the time. Yes. <laughs> the investigator. Well, I looked up the the origins of the enneagram. Yep. The loyalist. I am insanely loyal to my friends, et cetera, et cetera. Gotcha. Um, so, like, you could read yourself into these things. You you could almost say you isogee into Ooh, them. That's good. Ooh. So the the other th- the other thing you said there about identity. That's the one yes. I wanted to hit. Yeah. That is where I uh, I, I do I want to even express some skepticism of this use. Yeah. Because. Yeah. We're not ones, twos, threes, fours, five, six, seven, eights, and nines. Right. For the Christian. Right. Uh, we're first in Christ. Yes. Right? You are in Christ, and then literally anything else, whether you want to talk about being American, yep. being Southern and mm-hmm. American, because we, you know, we Southerners typically identify as pretty Southern. Yes. Even though I did marry a Yankee. Oh, did you? Uh, yes. Yes. She is originally from New York and lived most of her life in Pennsylvania. So, yeah. I mean. You did marry. Above the yeah, I'm, I'm st- Like, I've gotten her sold on casseroles, not so much on <laughs> sweet tea and y'all yet, yeah. but we're, you know, we'll get there. It. It's we'll a long get time. There. Yeah. Sanctification is a long process. Yes, exactly. So that is a good, that is another good, uh, I guess, counsel I would give folks with, with, as we're working through how we should use the Enneagram or not. Um, you are not first whatever number you are. Right. Right. You, right? Absolutely. So, okay. So I think this is good. 
good balance. I think you have given good balance on this topic. I hope Art. so. I've, I have failed at this conversation before. Well, haven't. Uh, you and I have failed at lots of conversations. That's true. Because sometimes we're mean. <laughs> yes, right? yes. At least you're actually way less mean than I am. But I think we both have the same heart. But, like, but I, I used right. but I used to be meaner than you are yeah. currently. Yeah, we, we both were. So yes. quick, quickly on that, um, since we, we mentioned it, we used to write in the same student newspaper. Yes. And people don't like our opinions. Right. We, do you right. remember one of your more controversial ones because i remember one of mine i oh, which one <laughs> you have to pick one now yeah um i i did have one uh regarding i won't get into the details of what i said because it was it was pretty embarrassing uh <laughs> but it was it was a very over the top uh opinion regarding the war on terror okay, uh that was that. that was when i was more right wing as opposed to libertarian slash conservative there's been some flux in some of sure. that recently uh, for me, um, but it was it was very over the top, basically a kill them all, let God sort them out right. kind of thing. And I actually had a girl uh, email me say, "Hey, can I talk to you about this?" And she and and we met in the computer lab next to where we did the uh, newspaper layout. And she was uh, she was basically in school to to go to go on mission. Um, and she was all about, I think her target was India or something like that. It's wow. been a long time yeah. since I had this We'd, conversation. Right, it's been like 10 years or more. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I graduated 10 years ago, and I'm really old now. Yeah, we um, both are. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but she ended up in tears. Mm. And and even though I wasn't convinced in the moment, yeah, um, that really struck a chord with me. Yeah. At, at, you know, like the things that I say and the way that I go about them actually do have an effect on people now so now i didn't really learn the lesson for a long yeah, time sometimes i forget the lesson yeah well i've i've had listeners uh who dis who disagree with me over the years uh let let me know when my tone gets off yes because i'll admit this about myself too sometimes i do it for some showmanship right I'm absolutely an i'm an entertainer you are an entertainer and when when there's some anger you can put on it was actually when my following was bigger yeah my following was bigger when i was angry at obama mm. and then when i got angry and put that on trump a lot of people let left sure now i'm super chill yeah and the, the the audience is smaller but they like me better the, this is where my podcast has an advantage over yours because my pastor is on the podcast and at the very least just the presence of having your lead pastor at your church yeah that'll mellow you out a little it, bit it really will. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things you know when, when someone says they are a pastor and they're like hey yeah, yeah what do you do you know i'm, I'm i work up at north yeah business. i'm a pastor Sorry for dropping that f bomb thirty yeah, seconds I ago. <laughs> I think I'm going to take a break and come back and just do the rest of the show on something else. Unless yes. you have anything else you want to cover, sir. Uh, yes, I want to get to the solution. Uh, I think then to let's this do that problem when we come back from this break. Yes. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that with Cody Fields from the Westminster Effects. He's actually, he's from the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. Plus, he has all the guitar uh, stuff that you should go look at on Facebook. You can find him there. Look for Cody Fields. We'll be back with the rest of the Corey Truax Show in just a moment. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show. Thank you for sticking with us on 91.9 and 92.9 His Radio Talk on Saturday mornings. Or if you're listening to the podcast wherever you listen, hey, thank you. If you would be so kind, if you rate and review the show, or if you'll just take five minutes of your life and go do that, you'll help someone else find the show. You can help it grow that way. It costs you nothing but time to just say that the show is pretty good and you want other people to listen to it. So rate and review 
wherever you do wherever you can do that. And you're probably wasting a lot of time anyway, so you might as well share this and be productive. Make it, like you're actually giving me 50 minutes of your life every week. Yeah. Sp- give me 55 minutes. Yeah. Right. And that voice you just heard is Cody Fields. He is one of the hosts of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, and he has his own guitar effects company. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you, sir. We are going to talk this last little piece about the Enneagram yes. is solution. So we want, we want to have some skepticism around it. It still might be a useful tool. But when you think about solutions for the Christian interacting with the Enneagram, what is your counsel, sir? Yeah, so, I mean, basically, as opposed to nine types, uh, and maybe this is simplistic, um, but the Bible ultimately knows two types of people. True. Those who are in Christ and those who are out of Christ. That's right. Those who love God and those who hate God, you know, if, if you take Romans 1 at its word. Um, it's, it's not that we don't know God. Everyone knows God and suppresses the truth and unrighteousness, or you've been redeemed by Jesus. Amen. And you're in a good relationship with God. Right. Um, so it, it ultimately comes down to, uh, I don't need to ultimately know myself, but as John Calvin wrote in the Institutes of the Christian Religion, literally the first page of the Institutes, uh, if you want to know yourself, get to know God. Yeah, that's good. You're, you're made in his image. Um, so the closer you get to God, the more uh, you see, one, uh, your flaws. Like, I... <laughs> Seriously, the more I get to know God, yeah. the more I read my Bible, the more I'm like, oh, that doesn't line up. Can I sit on that for a second? Yeah. Isn't it incredible in the Christian life, five, six, seven years into getting really serious about it, stuff that you didn't even know you were doing that was sinning? Yeah. Like you realize one day? Yeah. That is a sinful, idolatrous thing I do, and I yes. didn't even realize yes. it. Yes, and, and, it, and it happens, it seems to happen with m- not just more regularity, but more a greater frequency yeah. for me these days. As we grow. Yes. So in Christ and out of Christ are the two types of people. The, 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 uh, it's almost coming to crystallization for me right now, that while this can be a helpful tool, if you don't get past it, Get yes. past needing it or get yes. past using it, then yes. you're staying at a shallow place, possibly spiritual. Absolutely. You're, Absolutely. Seeing, you're seeing that too. Yep. That's the first time I've thought that until you just said that made me think Enneagram can be useful, but if you're stopping there, you've stopped too short. Exactly. That's Absolutely. Good stuff, man. Absolutely. Um, so not only do I see my flaws, but I also can see my where God has gifted me in yes. certain things. Right. Um, and, and especially as as I'm more active in my church and I've, I'm kind of stealing this point that you brought up before we started recording. Uh, but, but it's, it, I've still thought this not necessarily within the confines of this conversation, right? but it, you know, as, as I get to know one, my pastors, people in my small group, uh, I, I play in the band at church, uh, getting to know those people, um, they can point out and we develop those relationships where they can point out, Hey, you're really gifted at this or, uh, you're really messing that up. That's great. And, and it, and it one keeps me in line, keeps me accountable, but it also sharpens me. Iron sharpens iron. iron. Sharpens iron. It's kind of a big deal. It's in the book. (laughs) It's in the book we all read. Yes. Um, so, and I really think, you know, so we could go to Deuteronomy 18, the first chunk, uh, not the first chunk, uh, about verse, what is it, nine? Uh, starting in, God like says, hey, you're not to have anything to do with diviners or anything like that. 
but he doesn't leave it there. It's, it's kind of how God works, right, right. In, the, in the plan of redemption. Uh, then in 15, he goes, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. Uh, well, Moses is talking. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of important. Uh, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die, which we kind of treat the Bible like that a lot of times. Yeah. Is, is, Man, that's too tough. I'm, I'm done. Yep. Um, and the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet uh, like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them uh, all that I command him. Uh, speaking of Jesus, right? There's your solution. It's good, man. Get to know God. Get to know Jesus. Um, even even if you come down on the side of the Enneagram is uh, a good tool, useful. Uh, you can't say it's neutral because there is no neutrality in the Christian worldview. Right. Um, so whether you say that you can redeem it or reject it. Um, don't sit there. Yeah. Get to God. That's good. That's, that's the most important part. That's good counsel, man. Uh, because I, th- I think that is, uh, we use it as a replacement yes. and not a bridge. Yes. So we sit in it, get obsessed with it. And that's a danger. Yeah. That's a real danger and not actually go to the next sanctifying step. I want to emphasize where you started. Uh, the most sanctifying personality in my life has probably been my siblings or personalities in my mm-hmm. life is my siblings. Cause they are, they don't mind saying to me, right. You're messing right. this up. Right. right. Or and then they've also been the most uplifting because they'll mm-hmm. they'll see they'll see the real me. Yep. And they'll we all need those friendships and the, the we the church is where that comes from. Um so speaking of church also, uh you're at Resurrection Church in Greer? Yes. So all my Greer friends, if you don't want to be at Beachwood down in the west part of Greenville, Res- Res- Resurrection, what do you guys meet? Sundays at Sundays at ten. Uh we are practically at the intersection of Highway 14 and Wade Hampton if you are in Greenville or Highway 29 if you're in Spartanburg County I know as, right. as we call it they change it <laughs> so uh, I mean it's it's if you're headed toward downtown Greenville you turn right uh, onto Highway 14 away from downtown Greer and it's like a quarter mile on the right fantastic yes. so Greer folks you are invited to resurrection 10 a.m. on Sundays we have been talking with the the owner of a the guitar, guitar company, Nose Minster. Say it for me. <laughs> the Nose Minster family of guitar effects. It's because I started Westminster Effects. Uh, I then acquired the brand Nose Pedal. Oh. And so for the overarching LLC, it became Nose Minster LLC. And family so. guitars because it's Westminster Plus Nose Pedal. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Yes. And also, the, really the primary host, along with Pastor Bradley Cox and the dude out in Nebraska. Yeah, John Ross, John the Ross. Uh, grumpy Lutheran in Nebraska. Yeah, it's a great show. <laughs> if you're into church talk and theology, you certainly should go subscribe to it. It's called the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. You can find it wherever you're listening to mine. Cody Fields, thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me. When we come back, we'll get into some of the news and other things from the week. We also have the sports segment at the end of the show. We'll do that when we come back for the rest of the Corey Act show. Corey Act Show. I have two listener submissions. That's what I want to do probably until the until the sports segment. I have one more I want to try to get to from Facebook, but let's go with listener submissions to finish off the show. And as always, if you would be so kind to rate, review the show, share the show with others, find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, connect there. It is always helpful. And you, like these listeners, can email the show at Show at gmail.com, Show at gmail.com. It's very helpful because then I don't have to do any work. I can just use you as the content. So first, going to Martin. Last week on the show, I played a, a good long chunk of a call 
from a, a good friend and listener, Daniel, talking about Genesis. Martin has written into the show previously, very intelligently, regarding Genesis, and comes from the total opposite side of that discussion. And so I want to really, I want to read this email in full because I've gotten some other emails, emails from you about this, and it's, it's worth, because understanding the Bible is worth discussing. It's that place where we find all that we need for life and godliness. Like what, what we need is in Scripture, so it's important to try to understand it properly. So, from Martin, one of you, one of your fellow listeners wrote into the show and said this. I think it's interesting and by no means coincidental that we keep coming back to your broadcast on Genesis. And I agree with him, by the way. It's not a coincidence. It's very important. It's a very important topic, so we should keep coming back to it. And then his uh, continuing on. Is a literal belief in a literal creation rather than evolution a requirement for believing the true gospel? Uh, no, I don't think so. That's a, to answer that question directly. Uh, your listener, Daniel, stated you don't have to believe in a literal creation. You can believe in evolution and still believe the gospel because the gospel is only dependent on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why don't we start with the following checklist for anyone evaluating that premise? So, the premise being you don't, you can both believe humankind came, came and, and the world in general, came through evolution and believe the gospel. Can you believe both at the same time? And here's some questions to evaluate that. Back to the email from Martin. Do you believe in a literal Adam, a literal person named Adam, who was the forerunner of all mankind? My answer is yes. I actually do believe in a literal Adam. I don't know that it's... Ugh, I could be very easily convinced that it is a test of orthodoxy. Literal Adam is actually quite important as the, as the federal head of all humankind. Uh, next question. Do you believe in a literal man named Noah, a descendant of Adam, as described in that genealogy? I do, yeah. I think Noah was a literal person in history. Uh, do you believe in a literal worldwide flood through which Noah was used to, perp to perpetuate life on planet Earth? I am not convinced of worldwide flood. I am convinced of the world that they knew of flood. So uh, Moses being the writer, uh, and, and even going to some of that Hebrew language, it doesn't necessarily have to mean cos cosmos or even the word that would be for the entire world. Uh, all the known world. All the world that that Moses knew about covered in water. Yeah, actually, I do believe that's literal, but it may not have to be the entire planet. Um, next question. Do you believe that the people named in the Bible and the historical narrative of their lives is, in fact, a true account? Uh, yeah. Were they intended to be? To, uh, yeah, I believe all those things are true. When, it's, when we're writing of history and narrative uh, and not parable or... Uh, for example, I'm not at all convinced... That the Shulamite woman in Song of Solomon was real. Like, I don't think, I think that's totally a, a poem. And so, 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 yes, but the answer, where the narrative is meant to be historic, yeah, I, I believe all that. All right, then back to the email. If you don't believe one or more of these things, and you believe that God used evolution to create man, then at what point in the evolutionary process among the stream of evolving men was man created? I, I, I actually, I totally identify with this question. I said that last week. If you hold to some kind of theistic evolution, I don't think it's inside orthodoxy to treat man as having an ancestor uh, that is almost man but not quite and then becomes man because mankind is different. We are the crowning jewel of creation in the image of God. And so I guess I could hear someone saying, well, there was some brute, some Neanderthal, and at some point God breathed into that Neanderthal and made a man 
I, that is not, I don't think that that is something we can take from the text in Genesis. Uh, so I, thought, I think I've already discussed that. All right, back to Martin's email. What about all the men preceding that man? Were they all damned with no chance for redemption or salvation? It's easy to make statements like you don't have to believe in literal Genesis or historic Genesis to believe the gospel. But if you're going to operate in intellectual good faith, you have to consider the true meaning and outcome of everything you propose because it is all connected. You can't just pick and choose beliefs at various stages of the process. That's true. You can't pick and choose beliefs, but I want to be careful on something. You, uh, you have to consider the true meaning and outcome of everything you propose. Hold on. No, you don't. This is very important. Too often, we try to determine belief by what the consequence will be. Well, if I believe A, then B will have to be true. Well, if A is true and B is an undesirable consequence, still believe A. And so I, I, I'm not compelled by, well, if you believe this, then this other thing that you may not want to be true could be true. I couldn't possibly care less because we only care about what's true. Uh, and so I want to make that really clear. Uh, the the consequ- This happens a lot in, in politics and other things where we decide what to do based on the consequences. I'm not going to do that, um, even theologically. I'm going to, dis- I'm going to best I can, figure out what's true, and whatever the consequences are, that's fine. Because if it's true, I don't really care what the consequences are. Uh, the next, from Martin. Jesus stated clearly there was a man named Jonah, that there was a man named Noah, there was a biblical flood, there were cities named Sodom and Gomorrah, which were punished by God for their immorality. If you choose to believe that some of these were fanciful literary forms, parables, if you will, then Jesus was simply a liar, a purveyor of lies, or at a minimum, a purveyor of fairy tales that mean nothing. No, I mean, Jesus did both, right? So he told some historic, he had some historic allusions, and then he had some parables. I actually just went through some parables at Beachwood Church. We just went through the parable of the sower and the parable of the mustard seed lampstand. It was a great time with it. Uh, Obviously, I had a great time with it because it's the Bible. The Bible's awesome. Uh, so you just have to. We do have to figure out where Jesus is telling us a parable and when he's telling us history. Uh, next, from Martin, he talked about judgment. Was that also a fairy tale? The answer is no. Uh, just because, just because some, I, mean, I want, I don't want to be a jerk here. Just because we're saying some of the Bible is meant to be interpreted not as historic. Some of it is actually written on purpose to be symbolic and poetic. That doesn't mean it all is. We we just have to ask of the author, what did you want to do? What were you trying to accomplish? Uh, he makes, and then, I mean, Mark makes great points here about how we, we can't pick and choose. And we don't need to. We don't need to pick and choose what we believe from the Bible. But we do need to be people who are picky and choosy enough to go to the text and ask what it was actually trying to accomplish. Uh, final thing here on his email. Uh, Jesus talked about judgment. Was that also a fairy tale? The worm that never dies. Was that a fairy tale? The fire that is never quenched. Is that another fairy tale? Uh, one temple stone that will not be left upon another. That already came true, didn't it? Yes, it did, by the way. That's from all that discourse. Uh, so we find ourselves believing in a, is a, in, a resurre- in a resurrected liar, hardly a foundation for a life-changing gospel. Uh, we can't just get, a, get away from pesky facts. I think Christians who believe in evolution over the Genesis account are obligated to put together their entire gospel rendition filling in all the holes in their story, connecting all the results, and present the church a, th- a thought-through, evolution-believing gospel. Anything else, in my opinion, is intellectual dishonesty. Thank you, Martin, for the email. You can be like Martin and send that your thoughts into Corey Truax Show at gmail.com, Show at gmail.com. Um, I, I don't know that I agree with that last sentence. I, I think cr- Christians who affirm 
some kind of evolution need to try and connect an entire narrative, but it's not incumbent upon them to land on all of it. Because there are some mysteries, there are some things we don't know. I, I think you'd even, even uh, the most Ken Ham Genesis person would say, there's, so, there's just some stuff we don't know. And so it's not incumbent upon you to come up with the entire narrative, but certainly folks should try. So because that's, the Lord gave us brains, and we should try to use them. Uh, next up, I wanted to get to one from Joseph. Joseph, uh, the, here we go, from Joseph wrote in, who's delightful, by the way. Um, I got to meet him recently. Uh, and you know what I like is people who focus on spiritual disciplines, and he focuses a lot on prayer. I wish I did more. Um, and so, hi, Joseph. Here's what Joseph wrote in and asked. The move the administration has made, that's the Trump administration, to pull back our lines in Syria has been weighing on me. Surely we have let down the Kurdish people and weakened our standing in that part of the world. I'm also suspicious that our relationship with Turkey is corrupt. So why why this, the move so sudden? Or is that only how it appears to me? I'm curious if you would share your thoughts on the show. Sure. So if you don't know the facts of the case yet, we, have, we, we had troops, I think it was less than 300, in a part of Syria where Kurds lived. The Kurds have been great allies to the United States for decades now in the Gulf War and the Iraq War, and they have been a, a persecuted people in that part of the world. And I, I would say if, if the United States has violated the trust of any given people group around the world throughout administrations, I'm talking Bush 1, Clinton, Bush 2, Obama, and now Trump, like I don't even know why they like us so much. Like Kurds sometimes will have American flags in their villages. like They really like us, and I don't know why. We've treated them quite poorly. The administration decided to move our troops out of that part of Syria, allowing the Turkish army to come in and really do damage to the Kurds. And by damage, I'm, euf I'm euf using a euphemism, I mean, just killed them. So uh, my position, I, I don't know why the move, I, I think that's advice. I mean, the, the president doesn't exactly come in the door of the White House understanding a lot of stuff. He, he, he knows very little especially about the world in foreign policy. Uh, so I'm assuming he's taking most foreign policy uh, steps from advice. And one of his principles did seem to be, we, we want to you know, be America first, and that means not spending money anywhere else in the world. I, I would have been, I'm for leaving those 150 troops. Generally, I'm for collecting our military and bringing it back. I don't like it being spread out all over the world. I, I don't think it's, it, it is good for America. But... In this case, our presence in the area is actually keeping people from dying, and it's at a fairly low cost. And so, uh, you know, I actually get the argument. I've made the argument. I don't want to send American men, American young men, to die for someone else's cause. I don't want to send American young men to fight for someone else's cause. In this situation, there was no fighting. Our mere presence was a deterrent. Us being in the area had Turkey not doing this. We didn't have to fight the Turks. We just had to be present, and it held them at bay. And so we should have stayed. I think that would have been the better decision. Again, I don't like that that's our role in the world. Sometimes it has to be our role in the world. That one was a very low-cost way to save lives, and we should have stayed. We are almost out of time, but one more point. During the Democratic debate out on Facebook, I made the point of Christians, you don't have to participate in the political system if you don't want to because Democratic ideas hurt people, and Donald Trump's a terrible person, so you don't have to participate. Uh, Doug, my big brother, a brilliant guy, he had a great comment that was, you don't 
that, that, that there's, there's the choice of not participating. That's my choice. And there's the choice that some people make where they don't like it, but they go vote for the president despite all of his shortcomings because the consequences of the other people being in charge are so bad for people. And it makes the point that neither one's a great choice. We have this, stu- we have this vote we're supposed to steward as Christians, and people that land on the I'm going to go vote against the left and not for the president, but you, the president has to be the, the vehicle against the left, that they're, they're making a decision that's just as ethical. I, I, I wouldn't argue with that. I can't make it, but I'm not, I mean, it's a good point. I don't, I don't like what I'm doing in 2020, uh, and so it's a good point that he made that I wanted to share with the rest of you. We've run out of time for serious stuff. Let's go ahead and move on to sports. Here we are now, just about midway, actually a little bit more than midway through the college football season. We're going to talk about that with our sports correspondent. His name is Heath Powell. Hi there. I want to start with LSU. Thus far, they have the win versus Texas, and now a really dominant second half versus Florida. This is the team playing the best as of right now, right? I agree. This, I think so. I mean, you don't want to peak too early in the season, and they might be. They might be. But, boy, they, they have been so impressive on both sides. I was very impressed. Very uh, surprised Florida even scored the 28. Yeah, I was too, just based on how good LSU's defense has been playing. But, you know, the first five weeks of the season, nobody has really played anybody. No. Up until the A&M game, Alabama's best win was Duke. Mm. Clemson's best win was A&M, which Alabama and Clemson both beat A&M. So. Yep. Um, but, you know, Alabama's defense looks shoddy. It, oh, so going to that game, I have not seen uh, – none of the Nick Saban defenses have looked as – porous as this one looks. Right. If they if Alabama runs into Oklahoma, Clemson, uh, I think LSU. I think LSU's going to win that game. I do too. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, Joe Burrow, I mean, the team's averaging 56 points a game. He's averaging over 400 yards passing a game. That's incredible. Yeah, they've scored more points in the first five games than anybody in football, college football history, I think is what the stat wow. was. Not just the SEC, but the – the game between them, which is coming up in like a, a little bit less than a month, the LSU-Alabama game, Alabama's going to score a bunch of points, I think. Yep. I don't think they can really slow down this LSU offense. I don't think Alabama can outscore LSU because I think LSU will have more stops on defense than Alabama's defense does. I think so, that's how that's going to go. I, I agree. The, the LSU can score 40 on them, and Alabama might be able to score 35 or so. Right. The LSU can put up 40 on Alabama. And I just – I mean, less than 10 years ago, those guys played a game that was 9-6. to six. Yeah, well, I mean, the college football philosophy has completely changed yeah. from the way it was even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Alabama, Saban didn't even want to play Tua, even though the offensive coordinator wanted him to. Of course, the national championship didn't have a choice because right. they were going to lose 42 to nothing Yes, if they didn't put Tua in. So um, he just broke the career record for passing touchdowns for Alabama quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I still don't think Saban likes winning that way. I just don't think he does. He would rather – or run the ball three yards. Yeah, just look play. at the, the running backs they put in the NFL. Yes, that incredible. was what they were. Uh, you know, the big six-two running backs. Yeah, blah blah blah. But uh, you, you you go with the times, or you get left behind. That's just how it works. And he was wise, and the the great coaches are wise to know when their way is losing. Yep. Um, that's what the big what what is the LSU coach's name? Ed Orgeron. Orgeron. He figured it out, and he hired the right offensive coordinator. Yeah, he hired the right offensive coordinator. They got the transfer Joe Burrows in, and they're just slinging it now, which, you know, I like that kind of offense yes. anyway. You know what this also reminds me of? Well, there was a time when Clemson threw a bunch of bubble screens. Yep. They went out and hired 
Chad Morris. Chad Morris. Thank yeah. you, Chad Morris, and revolutionized what they do. And if it wasn't for the bowl game, Clemson versus West Virginia, where West Virginia just destroyed Clemson, Clemson would not be where they are now. Yeah. So sometimes you need you need those types of moments of knowing who to fire. Yeah. LSU finally got there. That's when they got Venables for the defense. Yeah, and boy did Oklahoma mess up. <laughs> boy, they should not have kept uh, Stoops' brother there and let Venables go. Yeah, they end up getting the redemption through this guy they have now. Right. But that's they, just because they outscore people. Yeah. Yeah, the defense is not good. It's not good. Uh, speaking of that, because I, I do want to get to top. We're we're mid. Uh, we're at that point in the season where on Sunday there's going to be the first top four. So I want to get that from you here in right. a second. But thus far on the Heisman chase since Oklahoma came up, isn't it Jalen Hurts and no one else? I think right now it is. Yeah. Um, he looked a little suspect last Saturday. He had a couple interceptions and turnovers, but just based on the offensive scheme that he's in, I mean they've had two Heisman's back to back. That's right. It's obviously a system that a good quarterback can thrive in. Yes. Uh, but they don't do well at the next level. Is, it, is his name Lincoln Riley? Yeah. His name? Mm-hmm. That's who deserves Heisman. <laughs> I mean, Kyler Murray's doing well, but I think he's just a gifted, gifted athlete. Yeah, and we'll and we'll see. He's doing as well um, as he can. I mean, he he's, can. A, he's a rookie, yeah. He's, and, he's, and he plays on a bad team. His team is not good. That's he's, the problem with being a good quarterback in college. You, yeah. you go really high to a really bad team. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, when you're that dominant. Which I think is why Watson was blessed so much going mm-hmm. seventh to a pretty decent team yeah, in Houston. Good. Yeah. You know, that should remind me of Watson's situation was the Ben Roethlisberger situation. He got to come out into a playoff team that was already in contention, right? And they didn't ask him to do much; just just be okay, you know. Yeah, just you know, I hate the term game manager, but, but do that really just manage the game, and then everything else will come with that. If you remember, uh, we'll get back to college in a second. But the, the Super Bowl that the Steelers beat the Seahawks. Yep. Ben Roethlisberger threw 18 passes. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to do anything. <laughs> no, because the defense was incredible. Jerome Bettis was on yeah. that team. The like, bus was going, running wild. I mean, it was... It's Watson it, has to do more than what Roethlisberger's asked to do. Right. Not only that, but Watson doesn't have a line that'll block for him. It's so bad. He gets hit so much. The um, the college version of the Texans is Florida State. Yeah. It's, yeah. Blackman, I don't understand how he's Alive. walking. I don't understand. It's bad. All right, so let's do this. I'm going to give you my top probably six teams and get you to respond. Okay. LSU is my one. Ohio State's my two. Oklahoma's three. Clemson, four. Alabama, five. I still I think Georgia's still six. I wouldn't put Georgia in there. Who's my who's who's the person? What's the team that should replace Georgia at six? I don't know. Mm. Is uh, Georgia's up there? Maybe f- this is as of right now. Um, maybe. Florida's up there. I, I just could take because Florida of their over that. defense. Sure. Um, I just don't know that Jake Fromm is has that killer instinct. Mm. I, going back to the game manager, I think yeah. he's more of that. I agree. But yeah, I think Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU. Maybe throw Penn State in there. Right now, Penn State oh, is a better. Six. No, 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 no. It's Wisconsin. That's who I was forgetting. Okay. It's Wisconsin. That's that's the top six. Top yeah. six. Okay, that's that's fair. I knew I was forgetting somebody. I couldn't think who it was. No, granted, I'm and not, I don't care which order they're in. That's just the I, top sixteen because it funny. doesn't matter. I was about to say nothing matters less. Nothing matters than where you are ranked on the first rankings right. of the of the season. It just could. And besides, no number less. one in the first ranking, or even at the final ranking of the final four, has won the championship. Actually, we'll go even back further on the history here. If you recall, the first year of the playoff. The first top four was Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU. Yep. Like, ask those teams. Yeah, ask those teams how much it matters. <laughs> the answer is no matter. It at doesn't all. matter at all. 
So, okay. That's uh, we're in similar uh, situation on who the top six are, and I just forgot Penn State. They're actually having yeah quite the year. I would put Wisconsin over Penn State, so I will go with in any order: Clemson, yeah. Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU, and Wisconsin. That'd be my top six in the country. Final two things for us will be the local teams. First, South Carolina has to be commended for uh, trying to lose that game but not losing it. Yeah, that was a great win. I mean. Obviously, I'm a Clemson fan, but I, you know, you give credit where it's due. Absolutely, they went to Athens and won between the hedges. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, that that is probably the biggest win for me in South Carolina's history. I know they beat Alabama when Alabama was one, but South Carolina was also highly ranked. I think maybe they were number five in the country at that time. Um, plus, and they had all those guys that went to the NFL. Yeah, and that was in Columbia. So, yeah. I think this one, you know, despite the two coaches trying to lose the game. <laughs> They like, I don't understand Kirby Smart. How do you keep making bad decisions? Yeah. He's given away probably two national championships on yeah. bad coaching decisions. In the crunch time situation, he, he is a – talk about game managers. He's a bad one. Yeah, he is a bad one. I don't understand why, though. And, he, you know, can somebody make a field goal? No. Can we – even Clemson missed one from 24 yards Potter. Yeah. Exactly. Which he's he's more of a kickoff specialist, but still a twenty four yard chip shot. It's a and then Dabo lit him up too. He Plus did. he dropped him to second team. So I saw that. <laughs> so congrats to those. South Carolina yeah, that was a guys. great win. The other thing I'd say on Georgia, real quick, uh, and I want Clemson fans to uh, appreciate it. Uh, all the great teams get into those games. Yep. Clemson wins them now. Yeah. They win those games where they're being challenged by someone they shouldn't be challenged by. Georgia loses those games. Yeah. Here's my thing about college football. Everybody, you know. Rides Clemson because they they barely beat UNC, but the bottom line is they won. They won. You it. have to have struggle and strife through your season, because when you come to the end, that builds character and and the kids know how to win those games. That, if you look at last year, all the teams were destroying people by 30, 40 points. Well, they get to the playoff and they don't know how to handle adversity because they haven't right. faced it yet. Right. I think it's good for a team to struggle a it's, couple games. It's emotionally healthy. It is. I think I heard. Oh, I can't remember who said this. Um, it was an NFL team. Like the first time the they went down by two possessions in a season and came back and won. It was their most important win because they was. found out. Oh, so I can come back from two possessions. Yeah, let's just go back to Clemson because we're Clemson fans. Last year, Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse was at Clemson. You struggle. Quarterbacks out. Chase Price comes in. You have to struggle to win. You have yeah. to make the plays. North Carolina. You struggle at their place, but you win. Yeah, it, it's you know go back to the old cliche. You know, iron sharpens iron. Yes. Or come through the fire. Whatever you want to call it. It's good for a team to do that. The teams that don't ha- go through that are, are in bad trouble yeah. when the playoffs come. It's just healthy. We um actually ran out of time to talk about the, the Florida State Clemson game, but we're not we're not missing much in that discussion. No, it's five years in a row. I think it is what it is. Utter destruction. But we'll come back next week and do the Louisville game and whatever else happens in college football. So thank you for coming in and doing sports. Appreciate it. We'll be back with another new edition of the Corey Truax Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love. <laughs>